Welcome to Unconventional Thinkers. My name is Kawan Salujan. On this episode, I speak with Rabbi Daniel Levine, author of Thou Shall Prosper and Business Secrets from the Bible. The topics we cover include extracting practical life principles from spiritual texts, why follow your passion is horrible advice and what you can do instead, and how to become better at your day job. I really hope you enjoyed this interview with Rabbi Levine. Well, thanks for uh, for joining us, uh, Rabbi Lappin. Uh, you've written uh, a lot of books which bring uh, you know integrate ancient wisdom and uh, finances, amongst other things. But I wanted to start with uh, the book "Thou Shall Prosper." And what motivated you to write that book? Um, the question that I was regularly asked, and I, I spoke for. Uh, uh, 20 or 30 um, large live audiences every year. And uh, and one of the questions that would get asked to me more, more than any others, and people would always ask it with a slight trepidation, a slight nervousness for fear that I would take offense. But the question was, essentially, why are Jews so disproportionately good with money? You know, why is it that in the United States of America, Jews make up one and a half percent of the population, but uh, on the Forbes 400 list, there's usually 60 to 100 Jews. And so it's a huge overrepresentation. And, uh, and you know, and, and people know that if you divide up uh, family net worth in the country by religion, um, Jews score very, very high, disproportionately high. And so uh, that that was, you know, people asked me that. And I I thought, you know what, this is a question that deserves uh, an accurate answer. And it can't be a, a gut answer. Uh, it's going to have to be something data-based. And I was going to have to research the literature. And I'm, I was going to have to probe the statistics and, um, and come up with something that um, explained it. And what I hoped was that what would come up with is things that anybody can do regardless of background, which I kind of suspected. I didn't really think that Jewish financial success, you know, had to do with being circumcised, for instance, which in which case I'm sure many men would prefer poverty. But um, um, um well, great. Um, I wanted to, you have a very unique background. I mean, I'm just always fascinated by, you know, it's definitely a unique book. And like you said, a subject that, you know, sometimes people were, would hesitate to ask, would kind of like tip, tiptoe around the question. Uh, what was your background, uh, you know, prior? Um, it's uh, what it's always been. Uh, you know, I've been a rabbi. I've always had a deep interest in um, physics and chemistry and mathematics. I've taught in those subjects. And um, and I've been interested in economics, and so uh, I, I was. I think I, I think I was well equipped to probe this question and and to do it responsibly and reliably. Um, well, I wanted to read a, a quote, and uh, you know, I think there's a lot here. We, we you said um, step one in the process of increasing your income is to begin wrapping yourself around these two related notions. One, you are in business. And two, the occupation of business is moral, noble, and worthy. Um, what, what, what did you mean by that? Uh, what I meant was that um, uh, 
unless you work for the United States Postal Service or you are a United States Supreme Court justice, um, you're in business. Essentially, if you cannot be fired, if you're a professor at a, a tenured professor at a university, you're you cannot be fired. But in any other occupation where uh, your remuneration and your success depends on your achievement, then you are in business. And it's important for everyone to recognize that uh, because there tends to be a, a bit of a looking down the nose, a little bit of a disdainful uh, look. You know, I'm you know, I'm not a businessman. I'm an artist. No, I, I'm not an artist. I'm a businessman. I'm very pleased and proud of that. And uh, And so to sort of realize that you're in business, stop thinking of yourself as an employee. Um, you know, let's imagine you uh, stand behind the counter and pour coffees for customers at a large national, international coffee chain. I don't want to mention their name because I don't think they advertise on your show yet, do they? No, no. That be, I mean, that, well, I'm not giving them a bad thing. No free advertising. Okay. Um, but such a person should stop thinking of herself as being an employee and start thinking of herself as being in the beverage business. And um, she's selling her skill and her time and her energy. Um, and at the moment, she only has one customer, but there's no reason why she can't get a second job on the weekends. So uh, it's very helpful to start thinking of yourself as being in business because all of a sudden you realize that you don't ask for a raise, you raise your prices. It's a totally yeah. different culture, totally different idea. And um, and then uh, the the other part of it is that uh, it's based on 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 a uh, an established known psychological principle, which is that nobody can truly succeed at any activity that deep in their hearts they consider to be morally reprehensible. And so. If people feel that making money is somehow equivalent to taking money, then they feel awkward about it. And, um, and you know, whether it's the contractor who is quoting me for a, a new bathroom addition on my house, or whether it's the teenage girl down the road who's babysitting for me, uh, many, many people have difficulty in uh, in naming their price because they feel that they're asking for something, that they're taking something. And so a large part of, uh, of of success, certainly not only for people of Jewish ancestry, but for everybody, uh, flows from developing a deep conviction in the morality and nobility and goodness of doing business. So would you say these beliefs are, are, are kind of par paralyzing to, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, prosperity or financial support? prosperity and what are some of the common beliefs um that well, kind of the, the most the, the most damaging one is that um uh that that money is a physical manifestation instead of a spiritual one um and that means that it's subject to the basic laws of physics which is things can only be in one place at a time and so that means that um you know, let's imagine that uh, uh, I'm speaking to an audience and uh, and uh, everyone's been given a plate of cake in the refreshment time at the end. And I take a whole lot of plates from the people in the front row. So I've now got 10 pieces of cake. People in the front row have zero. Uh, 
lot of people think that's what money is like. And so um, it, it, it becomes very problematic. Somebody, somebody wrote to me just a, a few weeks ago and said, um, you know, you probably won't print my letter because um, you're not going to like what I'm saying. Well, I did print it. And the, the letter said, uh, I think all the Jews should go and live in Israel because where they live over here, they're just taking money from the rest of us. Well, and I thought that, you know, that's a really interesting um, idea. How exactly does anybody other than robbers or the government take your money from you? The government can. They'll put you in jail if you don't pay your tax. And robbers will point a 357 Magnum revolver at your head and take your money. But how does anybody else take your money? And the answer is, of course, they can't. The only thing is they can provide. You know, it's like saying Apple. Look how much money Apple's taken from everybody. Well, they provide compelling phones and devices, and people want them and are willing to to pay for them. But, you know, nobody would go around saying, well, Apple's taken all our money. But when it comes to the Jewish grocery in the inner city area, they throw bricks through his window and they and they uh, shoplift from his store because he's taking all our money. So we're we're justified in doing that. And so um, that would be an example. Now, that's a sort of low level, a high level example of it is um, conviction that so, that. Um, so that socialism is a more moral system than capitalism. And this is essentially the bigotry of, of intellectuals. That um, somehow uh, the, um, the idea is that um, the government has to make sure that the distribution of money is fair. Right. Um, I wanted to go back to that point about the uh, the beverage making business and that kind of m mindset, because I think that's a pretty powerful shift, especially um, it just seems that there's never been more disengagement. I mean, on both sides, um, possibly, um, you know, if you are working, you know, there's that, you know, that belief, of, you know, working for the man or whatever. How would how would right. just one occupy uh, one identify more with um the occupation or, uh, you know, just to kind of clarify that point. Um, it's beginning to see oneself um, as a business professional providing goods or services at, at a price comfortable for you and for your marketplace. And um, it's, it's trying to banish a, uh, um, a, a restrictive mindset, um, a, a mental matrix that says, um, you know, I, I should be doing what I enjoy. That's that's what I should be doing. And so, you know, that that notion is completely mistaken uh, for a number of reasons. One is. You know, I like boating, but very few people have offered to pay me to go boating. Um, that's that's not how it works. If um, if somebody applies for a job in my organization 
And I say to them, so what are you really interested in? And they say, well, I'm really interested in songwriting and I want to start a band, but I'm going to work till I got enough money to do it. So in a year or two, I'll quit and start a band. It's not going to be a surprise to anybody that we don't hire that person because I'm not interested in what that person wants other than the extent to which that person's desires align with mine. And if that person says, look, I want to find a way to be so useful to you that not only will you never want to get rid of me, but you'll always want to escalate my salary to make sure I stay. Okay, now we're talking. That's good. I like to hear that. So in, in that situation, the customer is the employer. Yeah. The customer is the employer. That's right. And that's that. That's that. Uh, or, or to put it more correctly, the employer is my customer. My employer becomes my customer. Right. And so I don't ask for a raise. I raise my price. I, I go to my, my employer and I say, uh, um, I know that I'm being paid uh, $30 an hour, but I'm going to need $32 an hour from now going forwards. Now, Obviously, uh, I, I say that knowing that I have to be ready to leave if that's not granted. But many of us uh, have our lives shaped by fear. Um, it, you know, I think one of the common things is, uh, you know, follow your passion and it's just going to find you. And then, uh, you know, until you do, then uh, work is just some kind of means to some vague ends. Um, and I think that's been kind of, uh, um, that's not been a, that's been, that's not a helpful mindset. I think. No, follow your passion is terrible advice. Uh, a better advice is become passionate about what you're doing. That's so good. Uh, that's, that's, uh, really good. Um, yeah. uh, you had a, uh, answer, I think, um, what, what is the secret to, uh, you have a great podcast. What is the secret to marriage? and money or what is the common secret you you had said yeah um so uh you know in 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 our time it's become very common for people to assume they marry for love we love each other and we get married uh well what i usually say to young women who tell me that is good i you know good luck to you god bless but uh uh, the day your husband tells you he no longer loves you, mm. you have to be willing to end the marriage. Because if the marriage is predicated on love, then um, when the love isn't there, why should the marriage be there? And so I, 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 I explain to uh, uh, young men and young women, you know, get rid of the silly notion. This is a Hollywood-inspired romantic notion that you you marry for love i'm not saying love doesn't play a part of it. of course it does love and passion obviously will play a part but that's not the reason to get married the reason to get married is uh, a common mission statement you both have a shared idea of the family you'd like to create that's why to get married and that's exactly the the way a business is started. You don't start a business because I'm passionate about making cupcakes. I'm going to start a cupcake bakery because you're going to discover that running a business or a bakery is not doesn't have a whole lot to do with baking cupcakes. Right, right. And so, no, you you've got to have a a mission for the business first, 
And then after that, you develop passion for what you do. And the, I mean, the evidence for that is is very, very clear based on the number of um, stories and interviews you read of people who are asked, you know, after a long and happy, successful careers, if you had it to do it again, would you do the same thing? You know, would you still be a watchmaker or a plumber or a bookkeeper or a ballet dancer or whatever it is? And overwhelmingly, they, the majority of people will say yes. So what happened? Did they just all luck into finding the thing they were passionate about? No, they'll all tell you that uh, I never knew that's what I was going to end up doing. I never even knew I liked doing it. But now I love doing it. Because after you've done something competently for many years, you do develop a love for it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that reminds me of like Cal Newport, you know, another guy who's not a fan of the passion hypothesis and said more of being a craftsman. And then a lot of these stories end up, you know, some of them are that, that they didn't. But I think a lot of the, uh, I think lazy journalism is at the end of the day, it is follow your passion. And it's, that's not yeah. basically no, I mean, look, something. My concern, my main concern is to, uh, it, it was to write a book that would help people increase their revenue. I wasn't writing a book about getting out of debt. I wasn't writing a book about investment. I was writing a book about how to increase the amount of money you earn and that you create. And, and, and so I broke it down into the 10 fundamental steps. And one of them, as you pointed out early on, was um, learning how to develop a sense of conviction in the dignity and the morality and the nobility of making money. Very, very hard to do because it's completely contrary to the culture. You know, you think of, you think of the uh, 12th grade class just before graduation and the teacher says, I want you to all tell me what you're, you know, what you're hoping to have achieved in five years time. And one person says, Oh, you know, I want to be a teacher and help children become educated. Oh, fantastic. You know, somebody says, I want to become a child psychologist. Oh, fantastic. I want to become an environmental engineer and make, you know, clean up the air and the water. Oh, fantastic. And then, you know, one girl gets up and says, uh, I'd like to be a millionaire in five years time. I'd like to have started a business that employs a thousand people. And, uh, and you know, nobody's nobody's going to applaud because right. she's exhibited greed and selfishness. And um, there's just not enough education. So people don't realize that this young girl knows full well that the only re the only possible way to achieve her goal is to please countless other human beings. Right. Right. Probably at the expense of, you know, her desires. Um, um, wow. Uh, and, and another, another, uh, uh, um, idea was the importance of networks. I also found it interesting. You said where networking actually happens versus, um, so yeah, if you could talk a little bit about that, like the importance of networking and, uh, you know, where exactly, you know, effective networking happens for life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's always an interesting question. And I always ask myself whenever I meet new people and I get to know people, I always ask myself how much of their success is due to their skills, knowledge, abilities, willpower, and how much of it is due to the network of people they know. And I, I have to tell you that um, generally speaking, it's more due to the network 
than to individual skills, abilities. You know, let's put it this way. I mean, I could show you two lawyers or two doctors that have exactly the same professional background, graduated in the same position, in the same class. You know, they're similar in so many ways. And yet one is vastly more successful than the other. And the answer is that uh, he knows how to run his medical practice like a business. Whereas the other assumes that it's something different. It's a profession or something. And um, and so, yes, networking, um, it's a new word, by the way. The, the word networking as a verb didn't exist until the middle of the 20th century. Never existed. But uh, but I think we all we all know what it means, and uh, and the uh, the the reach you have in in networks are uh, really important. Stanley Milgram did a study in uh, the mid nineteen sixties where he um, um, got a whole lot of people in um, in Kansas City, I think it was, to volunteer, and he wanted them to get a letter. Um, to a certain person in Boston. And it, what they had to do was send that letter to somebody who they think might be a little closer. And then that person was asked to send the letter onwards. And, um, and they sent out, I think, 160 letters. And um, the average number of stops the letter had to make was six before reaching its destination although none of the original senders knew the original the the ultimate recipient but um the idea that pretty much everyone can get in touch with everyone else with no more than six connections used to be the game you know the six degrees of separation of of kevin bacon i think it was and uh and and it's something we know from LinkedIn now and many of the other electronic digital networks as well that uh, it, it's very very powerful. What I mean, what would you suggest to someone who was you know trying to establish a network now, almost like again, kind of rejecting that idea? I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, pull yourself, you know, don't ask for help. That's a sign of weakness, kind of thing. And you know that you know that obviously doesn't work. Um, you know, I would say like you know. Uh, jobs had Wozniak, Hewlett had Packard, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times these they felt like more complimentary skills. Um, so, you know, you know, first off, there's that mindset where it's kind of like weak, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think there's two separate things. Partnership is hugely important. You know, people sometimes say to me, uh, you know, we're in a bit of a recession and it's uh, the inflation is crazy. How can I possibly start a business? And, and the answer is easy just think in terms of partnerships think about what it is you want to do where you see a way of making a service making a contribution you know maybe it's um i don't know maybe maybe you want to try and start uh developing rental income fine there's plenty of people who've got money and are looking for safe reliable places to put it you know you start a partnership and uh, and so that is absolutely essential. Network is a little bit different. You're not looking to partner with a person, but you you build a network uh, not by going to networking groups or clubs or or anything like that, but but by uh, 
looking for ways to to do favors for people. Yeah, I, I, you know, to that point, I I like when you said, uh, uh, you know, networking doesn't happen at networking events. They're much more likely to happen at synagogues and churches, and I don't know, maybe not your words, but maybe golf courses and, and things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and particularly, you know, if you're serving on the 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 board of directors of the local boy and girls club, boys and girls club, or whatever, you'll find connections will come out of that. Uh, you'll also find that marriage is hugely important in that uh, wives are are natural connectors. And um, I can't tell you how many stories I've collected. I mean, it's into the hundreds uh, of guys who uh, were having trouble connecting. And I said to the, and probe your wife's connections. Make, I mean, you and your wife are a partnership. Do something about it. And they end up ending up doing serious business with the husband of one of their wife's friends. Another concept, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, Another concept I wanted to ask was, uh, you know, retirement is a bad thing. And again, uh, I mean, I love, I love the the book. I love the content that you put out because it is very counter to some messages that honestly I'm resentful for because I did grow up you know, I watch sitcoms, I watch movies, which are horrible, um, which I regret now. But um, what about retirement is a bad thing? Can you expand on, on why exactly that is and your thoughts on that? Well, it's, um, uh, you know, I think it's great to be able to have enough financial assets to be able to uh, stop working if you if you have to or want to. But uh, the problem with a retirement mindset is that uh, it views the process of making money just as a means to an end instead of an end in itself i mean the only reason i work is because i want to get money so i can you know uh play uh, whatever tennis or whatever it is um no i find intrinsic meaning in my work and you're going to be ever so much more successful if you find intrinsic meaning in your work instead of viewing work just as a means to an end and retirement, the idea of retirement suggests that you're only working to make money. The, the reality is money is an inevitable consequence of doing the right thing in the first place. I'm working because I get a kick out of serving other human beings and providing the things they need. And the money just pours in. You know, I'm digesting that point about, you know, marriage and partnership. But, you know, another thing that came across when you said that, you know, is people who are very passionate to, you know, later and later life for what they do. Sometimes when it's taken away, um, they die shortly after. And I know some of that is old age, but some of it just feels like that was. No, retirement is a killer. It's extremely unhealthy. Um, You know, I, I, you know, I have a, a lot of questions um, but I wanted to see, you know, you also wrote the book Business Secrets from the Bible. Why, uh, um, what motivated you to write that that book? Well, um, the publisher of the first book um, didn't like uh, religious, spiritual, godly aspects of it. And they asked me to leave it out. 
the the book did very very well and they said what about all those things that were the spiritual aspects that we left out of the first one you know could you do a book with <laughs> yeah there was no reason that it had to be a separate book could have all been in the first but but you guys are nervous about anything that says god or religion or faith so um and it, it's silly because uh the fact is that that so much of meaning in our lives revolves around the spiritual, not the physical. Um, you know, if I mean, if I'm hiring a swimsuit model, then I agree physical appearance is important. But for every other aspect of my business, I can't think of anything where, where physical appearance matters. I don't care if I'm hiring somebody who's fat or thin or black or white or man or woman or uh, with hair or without hair, I, I couldn't care less as long as they have all the spiritual qualities I want. Honesty, integrity, optimism. I need optimism. Yeah. Resilience. I need resilience. I don't care about the physical characteristics. I only care about spiritual character. These are all spiritual because the definition of spiritual is something that cannot be measured in a laboratory. Um, what would you say to a uh, couple, couple last questions. What books would you recommend? I mean, I, I think I can guess, but what, you know, what books would you recommend to people to read? Um, a, a book on that'll teach you how to uh, read financial statements. Oh, really? Okay. You know, you you can't you can't lose weight if you don't have a scale, a, a way to measure your weight, and a way to write it down and record it. Uh, financial statements are a way of of understanding your money. So I I'd, I'd recommend people get hold of a book that'll teach them how to read and understand financial statements. I think that's that's very important. Um, any other books or specific books? You know, um, I'm I'm always worried. I mean, I, I'm explaining why I'm not popping out with a, a list of books. Uh, I'm always worried about um, the tendency we all have to make a list or draw a chart or write a spreadsheet instead of picking up the phone and calling a customer. Right. Right. Action. And books are like that as well, you know. I'm reading this really important book on how to become a, a better salesperson. Okay, you know, fantastic. You know, pats on the back. But just get out and do it. Right. Just do it. Right. And it's it's like that. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book on, on how to uh, uh, build better upper body strength and more physical endurance. Just go to the gym. Just do it. <laughs> Uh, what would you say to your 18-year-old self? <laughs> I get asked that question uh, a lot, and and I always have a different answer depending what's on my mind. Um, my 18-year-old self, self was so unbelievably dumb, um, so stupid that I'm not sure. I'm not sure that if. Aristotle himself showed up and gave me advice. I'm not sure I'd have been smart enough to hear it. So um, 
I don't know. I mean, to my 18-year-old self, try and avoid killing yourself till you get smart enough to actually do something useful. You know, just let's hope your stupidity doesn't kill you. I like it. Uh, where can people find 18, you? 18, 18-year-old boys. Shakespeare put it well. He said between 17 and 23, he said, uh, uh, you know, best thing that boys should vanish during that period because they're doing nothing useful. And to put it in Shakespeare's words, except fighting with other uh, boys, irritating older people and getting girls pregnant. Is that that's that's all you're doing? So, uh, look, I I wish I I wish I did have a better ten years between thirteen and twenty three, and I and I certainly with with my own son, um, you know, thank God was very fortunate in being able to give him a pretty good ten years, and and the result is that uh, he is far ahead at his age than I was at his age. Yeah. So yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great gift. And yeah, those are, I mean, I think the male brain also develops a lot slower. Uh, without question. Yes. Without question. Um, um, I mean, I certainly, I certainly would have tried to get through my skull, the advantage of getting married younger rather than older. I would have tried to get that into my head, but you know, as I say, in speaking realistically, um, not too much wisdom was going to penetrate my skull at 18. Sure. Um, where can people find you? Your 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 books, um, other uh, other things. Um, where can people find? Uh, well, obviously, my books are available at at your favorite bookseller, uh, but it's also everything's available on my website, and and there are also some really important online uh, exercises and online courses that I do at my website, rabbidaniellappin.com. I do a financial prosperity. Uh, program 10 hours of video instruction and and i i do think that's really very very useful because uh unlike you know i i could read a book in a very passive way and i'm a big believer i mean i think i will say this you know when i when i i didn't i didn't leap to your invitation to list a number of books let me at least say this because i i, I don't want to be misunderstood let me say this don't waste time in front of a screen looking at videos or or youtube shorts or tiktok don't do that i mean just stop doing that use that time to read for sure but don't use action time for reading wow. action time is for doing things and um uh, and so, so um I, I just wanted to make clear. Yeah, look, I'm I'm all for reading, but you but stop watching screens because that is totally passive. It erodes the cognitive powers, whereas reading builds and strengthens the cognitive powers. It's it's only valuable, but not in place of actual doing things. And uh, also, I just want to mention your podcast. It's it's uh, it's pretty great too. So I would definitely check that out. Um, thank oh, you. And, and I'll tell you what the newest episode is called. Shacking up is for financial fools. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I did see and that. And it's it's based on uh, a Wall Street Journal article about two weeks ago that said uh, all the statistics are irrefutable. 
married couples make much, much, much more money than singles, divorced, or people living together. But nobody knows why. So I thought, well, I know why. Why don't I tell why? And I did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the the podcast is easy to find. It's called the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. Yeah. Well, like I said, the podcast has a lot of uh, variety of different questions. So I really uh, thank you so much for joining. Um, you know, I, I really like uh, interviewing you know, unconventional thinkers. And, um, you know, I would hope to, I would love to interview you again. I would, with that, I would be happy to join you again, I assure you. It's a pleasure talking to you as well. You're, uh, you obviously thought about these things a lot and you've read a lot. And so I, I felt we had a conversation that had meaning to it. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you so much. I just, uh, I just really, uh, I, I, I don't even know if you're trying to be humorous, but you know that they say comedy is truth. So, um, and those are some really hard lessons. Um, and the guy who uh, helped me come across your work, I mean, it, it, he ch completely changed his mindset about stuff. So it, it got me curious, and I just really appreciate your time. Oh, I'm pleased. I really love this interview. Among the most memorable parts of it is his quote, don't follow your passion, be passionate about what you can do. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave a review on iTunes. It'll help grow the show. Until next time, this is Kawan Saluja, reminding myself to always be growing. <laughs>